0: all right y'all this episode might be recorded in two parts one because i am on my lunch break right now and i won't have enough time to get through it two because I don't want to sit here for too long because yo paso todo el día enfrente de una most of my days so I need a bit of a break I need to get my body moving I've committed to that I'm on and off with it to be honest with you all but you know it's a work in progress and I'm not going to be harsh on myself about it I'm just going to take it easy and I'm giving myself gentle reminders that hey you know you can take your time with it I just don't want to take too long <laughs> you know what I mean? so Uh, whether you like it or not podcast this is our fifth episode and today we're going to be getting into latin american heritage month now the dates are different um in north america in the u.s or in in the states they celebrate this day or this month as well sorry between september 15th until october 15th and in canada we actually only recently started to recognize this as a national uh, celebration, a month-long celebration. And so I'm going to give you all a bit of a rundown on the history and some background. So I don't know how many of y'all know this. I don't know, um, know if this might be information that you have already learned or have already been informed of and exposed to, but... Personally, I find that people that I have conversations with, a lot of them don't know this. And it's unfortunate because Latin American people have made such a great and significant contribution to Canada, so-called Canada, in so many ways. And we have not really taken the time to learn that. And it has not been told to us. I don't ever remember being in elementary school or high school or even university and learning about the history of the migration of latin american people to canada i don't really hear about the statistics i don't i have to you know look for that and that is something i'm genuinely curious about i always have been like once i reached university it was something that really intrigued me trying to find a place (laughs) my place in the world and starting off with the community that i grew up in and so I have a sense but you know refreshing that information for myself just just brushing up on that information for myself um, was really great and so it makes me excited to share this with you all. So if I sound like I have a smile from ear to ear in certain parts of this episode I literally do. (laughs) All right so the first part that I wanted to talk about. It's the acts of Hispanic and Latin American Heritage Month. So this isn't just one act, these are actually two. So the first one, actually Hispanic Heritage Month, believe it or not, was an act that was proclaimed in Ontario back in 2014. I find it weird because it's only for the province of Ontario, as if there are no Latin Americans living, you know, in BC or or Alberta or what have you, but sure, or even freaking Quebec. The second part is that Latin American Heritage Month was proclaimed by the government of Canada on June 21st 2018. Um, and so this act states Latin American communities across Canada would be mobilized by a Latin American Heritage Month to jointly celebrate share and promote their unique culture and tradition with or traditions with all Canadians. This act was basically, Uh, The Parliament of Canada's way to recognize that people of the Latin American community in Canada, so-called Canada, once again, have made great and important contributions to the social, economic and political fabric here. Um, I believe that it is meant to be, you know, a designated time of year uh, or month to meaningfully remember, celebrate and educate the public about these contributions and established in an effort to jointly celebrate, share And promote culture and traditions of, you know, the Latin American people uh, with all Canadians. Now, I don't necessarily like the term Canadian for this act because there are people who live in Canada that do not identify as a Canadian citizen um, and don't even recognize Canada to be a country. This country, the land here was stolen land is stolen land. And so for example, I know a number of folks from the Indigenous community who would in fact take offense to being referred to as Canadian. Um, so just, you know, a tip or a side note, when you are speaking of Indigenous peoples in Canada, do not say Indigenous Canadians or Canada's Indigenous peoples. Like that's Those are things that we just do not say because it basically infers that Indigenous people are owned by Canada. There is no ownership there, okay? So that's uh, something that I wanted to share with you all because I think most of my listeners son Latino Americano and as a Latin American individual, I think for me it is important that we learn these things and that we know these things. I think the government has a long way to go in recognizing and respecting this and you know, making their language a bit more inclusive, but I guess I'll leave it there. So there were three things that I found interesting. The first thing was that October was chosen because of how important it is internationally within Latino America. So there are different celebrations that are held around the world. um, And some of those include, you know, Day of the Cultures or Dia de las Culturas, which is on October the 10th. So this is um, one of the first celebrations there may be others i may not be familiar with i don't want to say and act like i know it all so if i have excluded or missed any of them feel free to dm me feel free to comment on one of the posts in relation to this topic um you know however you want to communicate it to me you can also email me I will have those details in the show notes. If you are listening to this episode on Spotify, you will have that information there when it talks about the description of this episode. The other date is uh, Hispanic date or Día de la Hispanidad, which is on October 12th. And I really want to talk about this word Hispanic versus Latin or Latinx, Latin. Um, because there are differences. So we'll get back to that. Um And then Day of the Race, or Día de la Raza, is also celebrated on October the 12th. Day of Respect for Cultural Diversity, or Día del Respeto a la Diversidad Cultural, also on October 12th. And then lastly, Day of Indigenous Resistance, which is Día de la Resistencia Indígena, also happens to be on October the 12th. So these are very significant and important days. I often try to get out there and go to events. Um, but until recently, everything has been virtual. And aside from that, this is a fairly new act that has been proclaimed here in in, in so-called Canada. Um, so most of the things you know that do happen are throughout Latin America or in the States. I also found it interesting that October leads us into a time, the very beginning of November, the first two days, in fact, where many of the communities honor or in Latin America honor our ancestors. And, you know, it varies from region to region, pero Mexico y Centro America, for example, honor ancestors with Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos. And some celebrate All Saints and All Souls Day. Now, some of us may have already known this, again, this has been an official act since June of 2018, but I think it is important to share these pieces of information and, you know, my little one-two tidbits, (laughs) like the important days and celebrations that are held around the world in October. So another fact that I found interesting was the very day that this act was proclaimed. Like I said, it was on June 21st, but how many of y'all knew how many of my fellow Latin Americans knew that June 21st is national indigenous people's day. I think I'm going to drop a question or a poll in the Spotify, um, I guess the, the spot the episode that will be uploaded on Spotify because I am curious if I ask you all a question or I put a poll up or something and I am genuinely curious and I really want to capture how many of the listeners, um, know this information. So if you know it or you don't like, it's totally fine. I will not call you out on it. I won't be like, Oh, this is not for me to judge you. This is not for me to shame you or try any of that shit. Cause at one point I didn't know this neither. Um, but it's just for my knowledge, for my my curiosity that like I just wonder, you know, how many of us are, are, are aware, how many of us go out and do things and learn from the indigenous community, even just to sit and listen. You know, how many of us do that? And it starts by first being aware, of course. Right. Because if you don't know, what, like what are you going to do? So <clears throat> June 21st is National Indigenous Peoples Day. The month of June, every single year, is National Indigenous Heritage Month or History Month. People call it different things, but it could you could see it as National Indigenous History Month, Heritage Month, People's Month, and so on. I have seen it be called all three, and so I just kind of wanted to, to point that out as well. So I found it interesting that this day, happens to be the day where this act was proclaimed. Given that Latin Americans, um, I would say a a vast majority of us have indigenous blood or heritage. Um, And we may not even know it, but it exists. We are still very much alive. And so this month and this day um, in June is a month and day which we honor and celebrate indigenous people, heritage, culture, culture, and traditions here in, again, so-called Canada. And then when October uh, begins, it it begins right after September 30th, which happens to be National Day for Truth and Reconciliation and Orange Shirt Day. So I'm going to come back to this topic later on in the conversation. I'm also going to be revisiting the term Hispanic and Latin America or Latin American or, or Latinx and those different variations as well. But before I get into that, I wanted to get into uh, Latin American, Canadian history. So we're going to go back to the early 1970s. It's 2022. I think, you know, this is important. It gives a bit of insight into where we started, how we started, how we even got here. And... Um, or how our our relatives got here and how we are here today. I, I just, I love this because this is a part of who we are. This is a part of our identity. I think for me anyways, when I speak of our, I'm saying my family, you know, my son has the opportunities. I have the opportunities. My daughter will have the opportunities. My grandchildren will have the opportunities. Nieces, nephews, all of that, brothers, sisters, because of the fact that my parents made their way here. My parents ended up in L.A. uh, when they left back home when they were really, really young. My dad was super young, so was my mom. And um, then ended up coming to Canada. They actually ended up in Vancouver, which is where I was born. And so shout out to my cousin Joanna. Joanna was also born in Vancouver. There's three of us that were born in Vancouver. The other one is Amanda. I don't know if I should if I should have just mentioned to her. (laughs) But, you know, my family is aware that we have a long lost cousin. I have so many stories for y'all that I could like, I could tie in my whole life into this, but I will probably save that for another episode because that will be very, very interesting. It also has to do with doing a DNA test, and the one that I did was 23andMe. So if you guys are interested in that, send me a DM and I'll probably pull that out sooner rather than later. Going back to Latin American Canadian history. So in the early 1970s, there was an open door immigration policy and it went hand in hand with a high demand for laborers. It was a bit easier then, than it is now for people to migrate. I think certain certain countries have a bit of a easier migration policy or like a way to get into Canada than others. Like I'm, I know Mexicans don't need to necessarily go through like this entire process to get here. Um, and it's a little bit easier for them To acquire residency or citizenship once they once they are here. So that is my understanding. If I am wrong, please correct me. I believe Nicaragua también tiene some sort of something. I was reading up on it. Anyway, all right. So. Like I was saying, it was a bit easier then than now for people to migrate due to this open door policy that Canada had at the time. And so in the early 1970s, approximately 68,000 people made their way from Latino America, which I think is Incredible. So majority of this population settled in urban city centers and then moved to the suburbs of these cities. So like the suburbs of Toronto and Montreal, for example, these areas had a need for workers in the industrial and manufacturing fields of employment. And I think about, you know, the challenges many of our relatives had to experience for us to have the opportunities we have today, as first, second, and maybe even third-generation Latin Americans living in Canada. You know, we we didn't have such an intricate and established transportation system at the time. If you think about way back when, really, what was there? Even the area that I grew up in, Jaden Finch, shout out to my dogs. Um, even this area was so different. Uh, hace como like what 10-15 years and if you look at it now there's construction every fucking where but it's you know long term the goal is to make it a bit easier for people to move around you know and so for people who don't have a car or don't have the luxury of, of owning a vehicle um, or people who want to lower their carbon footprint you know what I mean it's it's going to be something that yeah we're kind of suffering right now I know Eglinton has been freaking under construction since the day I was born probably but it's 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 for the greater good right I I guess I hope so but Going back to the history, I just imagine that it must have been a challenge for a lot of us or a lot of our relatives to move around. I mean, for some, it might not have been a big deal, but we're so accommodated now. You know, we we this is what I mean when I talk about opportunities. This is what I mean when I talk about how how much easier it is in a way for us. Like it's a different type of easy. It's a different type of difficult when we experience challenges in today's age and world, but like my mom, for example, and my uncles, they were used to walking for an hour each morning to get to school, an hour each morning to get home. I was watching a documentary a while ago and I was showing it, it to my son and my, and my partner. And I was like, yo, like, this is what some people in our communities have to do to get to school. There was children taking canoes in Nicaragua along the Caribbean coast, close to a, a place called Uh, sorry, uh, Bluefields and a community there called, they identify as the Rama Indians, like these children were fucking taking a boat and they would have to wear rubber boots because it's the rainforest, right? And there's so many animals and and creatures there that can affect you (laughs) and kill you. They bite you and that's it, like snakes and shit, right? So they come from our countries my mom didn't have to experience that to that degree and that extent because she lived in like what's considered the capital of the country or the city um but it was still very difficult like i don't imagine walking my ass to school for una hora you know what i'm saying like our parents made the effort to move close to a school here a lot of schools are dispersed are dispersed throughout the city and the region so that those aren't things that we necessarily have to go through and experience, thankfully. And they, they, they came here with that intention. They came here with that, with those things in mind that it would be to provide their kids and their families different opportunities and a different experience than what they had. And so that's a big reason why I'm talking about this today, and that's a big reason as to why I feel like these are important conversations to have. This podcast will talk a lot of shit, but at the same time, I will never deflect from having the hard conversations. And so I invite you guys once again to share with me topics that you would like to have discussed and even if you want to be part of those conversations you know like i won't turn you away i just i need to make sure that there's a level of reciprocity meaning i'm not going to be putting in all the work (laughs) because okay anywho back to the topic of conversation for today I guess I just want to, you know, with all of that, what I just said was that I don't think it must, it mustn't have been easy to move to another country, learn a new language, find employment. If you arrived with a family or children, you got to find resources to help figure this out. You know, a new foreign place, got to enroll kids into the school and so on. There's different levels um, to this, right? And, you know, what if you had no money to eat one day, you got to find out if there's food banks or, or someone out there that can help you yeah with there's there's you know ontario works or way back when it was called welfare but that sometimes isn't enough and even in today's day and age like i've gone through that myself where it was just like yo no alcanza you know and you gotta make sacrifices obviously but it, it, i couldn't have imagined that it was easier back then you know what I'm saying? Especially having a language barrier, especially me today as a brown woman, visibly colored woman. You know, um, I I have a very Spanish last name and and like Portuguese last name. My, I have two last names. So, you know, when people read that, they automatically make these assumptions about me being a young mom, like, oof, yo pasé por tantas cosas, and I think that that's why I am the way that I am, like, you know, a bitch, (laughs) I don't think there's anything wrong with being a bitch, and again, that's another topic that I will be discussing, but I am so assertive in who I am, and like, sometimes I'm a little bit defensive, because certain experiences will trigger previous experiences if you get my drift i've you know had to put adults in their place people not adults i'm also a fucking adult but when i was younger when my son was in elementary school he went to a catholic school and i had to sort of put my foot down and like speak in a certain manner in order to be seen as a very as a capable parent as someone to be respected not as a little kid albeit, you know, I, I, I understand that I looked really young at the time. I think I still look kind of, I always get that. And I, and I, I think I'm finally accepting it that I look younger than I, my friggin' age, um, which I always took offense to, but I had to kind of stand my ground from time to time with my son's teachers, his principal, like one principal in fucking particular can no, oh, no me, lo tragaba not even a little bit. And I had to just be like, Hey, yo, like, do you think I'm some stupid little girl that doesn't know what the hell she's doing? You know what I'm saying. So now imagine our families, our relatives coming here, having that language barrier. It's like, oh, this one doesn't understand shit. This doesn't know. This person doesn't know anything. Like, you know what I'm saying. And so there's so many already internalized stereotyping and maybe even racializing of people that. <sighs> It can be frustrating. It is frustrating for me to talk about this. So if I get a little emotional and I get a little like, I hope you guys understand why. Because I'm pretty sure you were the translator for your mom and dad at one point, or a grandparent, or an auntie, or an uncle, or whatever. I'm pretty sure that you had to sort of step in and be like, hey, you know, just because my aunt or my mom doesn't speak language the English language as fluently or without an accent as you do, doesn't mean that you have a right to disrespect them, or just because. My mom works in this particular field doesn't mean you have, or because we eat this type of food. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I see that, that, cosa that people are so ignorant to, and you know, bringing an awareness to this and having these topics of, and these conversations with you all, I think it gives us and it builds a sense of community amongst each other. And so I feel that makes us stronger as a group, as a community, as people who have shared common experiences. And, you know, that's just my little my little take on it and so when i think about honoring and celebrating during the month of october i think we should celebrate every day but um when i think about the month of october in particular and how this new act came into play in 2018 i think about the how the older generations made an impact over everything like they had to go through a lot of shit to leave leave a mark here you know in this new place they established small and local businesses which brought over a piece of their homeland their uh, authenticity whether it be you know through a restaurant or establishing a soccer team and, and league like that builds a sense of community you know what i mean like i know of only one restaurante nicaragüense in fucking Canada and I have Googled it, y'all. I have Googled it time and time again. And thankfully it's located in Toronto in like the downtown area. And I get a little piece of my family from that. I get a little piece of my culture. I didn't get to grow up in Nicaragua. I visited many times. I speak to my family every so often. And you know, but it's you know, your 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 culture gets a little diluted, especially when you you're not close to your people. Um, And so I appreciate being able to see um, Latin American businesses thrive here. It makes me it makes me so incredibly happy and so proud to be part of this community. So, you know, también artisan gift shops. I think about Kensington Market and how some businesses, you know, which cater to the Latin American population and those who have an appreciation for it as well, of course, have been there for so, so many years now today, of course, with the rise of social media and the internet and a great population the Latine or Latinx people, I feel we owe it to the elders and our relatives um, who put in the work and paved the way for us. Canada is obviously filled with so many rich and diverse cultures, especially in Toronto and like the main cities. I think I would say Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, in my opinion, are probably the most densely populated with, you know, multiculturalisms. Um, But uh, again, like I'm highlighting Latinidad and this isn't to take away from anyone else. Um, This isn't to take away from anybody or any other culture or heritage that is dominant here or that is densely, densely populated here. Um, in any uh, in any part of Canada, um, but I'm highlighting Latinidad because this is my people. These are my peoples and I can speak from this perspective. and also that this is the topic of today's conversation. So <laughs> that's just what it is. Um, and I feel, Through, you know, this acknowledgement and establishment of Latin American Heritage Month, we are being given an opportunity to share what makes us most proud to be from this community and what we wish for others to learn about us and who we are. I think that's beautiful. I think that might even diminish some negative stereotyping and, and you know, common misconceptions that people have. Like, for example, cuando la gente piensa que toda la gente que habla español or all the people who speak Spanish are Mexican. <laughs> I grew up with this shit, bro. I grew up with people asking me, so what part of Mexico are you from? And I'm just like, motherfucker. Like, do I? First of all, I mean, I might look Mexican, but... Nah, motherfucker, I'm not. I'm I'm from Nicaragua, and then ma- the follow up question was always like, "Oh, where's that Nicaragua? What is that?" And I'm just like, dude, like, I I just got so used to it at one point, and so now even when I introduce myself today, a lot of people know where that is, thankfully. But tengo la maña de decir Nicaragua is in Central America automatically during my introduction to myself because. I just have that experience where la gente no like non Latin American people uh, pretty much don't know where that is or even what that is. And so, you know, it, it kind of put like it just kind of deterred me for some time from even saying like what country and. You know, as I grew older, I was like, "Nah, that, that's that's where I'm from. That's where my parents came from." So y'all just gonna have to learn and that's just what it is same with my name like people don't know how to pronounce my name I honestly sometimes don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly because it is not a Spanish name it's a very old Celtic name it is it's super old my first name and my middle name my middle name is French so you know like it came I I don't know how or where it came from um well I do but I just totally random totally fucking random so same with my name, same with like where I grew up or where I'm from or, you know, my family, where my family's from and so on. You know, these these common assumptions that I sort of had to navigate growing up or that like another one was that tacos is a common dish that every Hispanic person eats. So I would often get the fucking question of like, oh, so you do you like tacos? Is tacos like your favorite food. Do you all make that at home? And I'm like, Ugh there's another shit coming. chihuahua. And I share this with you all because I think an awareness around this month um, can reduce the ignorance and teach people a thing or two about our richness, our differences, and even our similarities. Little by little, right? The next item I wanna get into gives a bit of insight on where we are today with respect to the Latin American population and where Latinx folks are mostly situated in Canada, and so on. So I'll start off with a question. Did you know that there are nearly half a million, first and second, did you know that there are nearly half a million, actually more than half a million, first, second, and third generation Hispanic Canadians currently living in Ontario? And I say Hispanic because it's people who speak Spanish. I said earlier in the podcast or in this episode that I was going to break down the terms between Hispanic and Latin American. Um, or or Latin, Latinx, Latin A, however you identify. Um, so we will get to that, but I really just wanted to get through some history and numbers first. So, although we are some of the most recent cultural groups to arrive and settle here, the Latin American community is quickly growing, like exponentially. So, if you can imagine, by 2006, there were around 527,000 Canadians. With Latin American backgrounds. And I believe this number was pulled from the, the census that was taken at the time. There are, when I say over 500,000, I'm talking about people who identify as either Hispanic uh, or Spanish speaking from Latin America in Canada. The province of Ontario alone, according to my research, accounts for approximately 400,000 of that number. So that's a good amount. Like, that's wild. I want to say that's about 80 something percent um, of the Latin American population in Canada resides in the province of Ontario. That's huge. I'm not sure if these numbers include people from the Caribbean, like Dominican Republic, Cuba, Puerto Rico, and so on. I think there needs to be more specific inquiry and data collections in, in, in place or like a strategy in place in order to have a more true and accurate depiction. But, you know, nonetheless, that's what I was able to pull. As a matter of fact, uh, I mentioned earlier that we are growing exponentially exponentially at a wild rate, but I wanted to also add a note here that the fastest, not not one of them, okay, but the absolute fastest growing and youngest population in Canada are actually Indigenous youth. And when I say Indigenous youth, I'm speaking about First Nations, Inuit, and Métis. Between 2006 and 2016, the Indigenous population grew by 42.5%. Four times the non Indigenous population growth rate. I believe people under the age of 25 ish accounted for 45% of that growth. Pulled this from the Globe and Mail. I think this was from like an article from 2017 or like something published in 2017, if I remember well, which means that Toronto alone has approximately 150,000 plus um, of Indigenous youth, meaning First Nations, again, Inuit and Metis, and it's growing. This means that in the region of Toronto, there are over a hundred and fifty thousand youth. You will see if you look this up, you'll see something like sixty-seven thousand uh, Indigenous people live in the urban setting of Toronto. But that is pulled, I think, from that number comes from the Canadian like census, and it doesn't necessarily. Um, it's not accurate the 150,000 number was pulled from uh i forgot what the friggin document is called i'm going to try to remember so i can share it in the show notes with you all but 150,000 is where we're at roughly most likely higher than that um and so that those numbers were were gathered by indigenous organizations um it was an indigenous led project so I will be, you know, I'll go with that number instead. I mentioned Toronto because I feel like a lot of people are tuning in and are familiar with these regions from this area. And I was not born in Toronto, but I was raised within the GTA. I moved around a lot when I was a kid. And so you can say I'm familiar with parts of the city. I really hope that you all have already started in your ways. I really hope that you know you've you recognize and celebrate your heritage, your culture, the achievements and contributions of not only your people and where you come from, but Latin American folks um, and communities across Canada. It's definitely our month to stand tall, stand proud, and to honor nuestras raíces and where we come from and honor one another. You know, honor one another. We built this community together. Our relatives built this shit together and we have the power of social media and word of mouth and the Internet. And so much. There's so many different platforms that we have access to that have evolved that are enabling us to grow as a population, as a people and to bring an awareness through using those platforms. So I think that's important. Um, And, you know, aside from from this podcast being therapeutic for me and a safe space to invite my family, my friends and conocidos, maybe even a stranger or someone I'm not too familiar with onto the show to have these conversations, this podcast would like to offer our community of listeners information and perspectives we may not have accessed otherwise. I mean, I don't have a huge audience and I don't know it all, but, you know, if someone learns something from listening, I'll take that. And I'm happy to, to, to run with that. You know what I'm saying? That's not to say that I'm not willing to learn because I'm always willing to learn something new. So please, again, DM me, hit me up, leave a comment, drop an email, whatever it's gotta be. It's interesting <clears throat> in my perspective that Latin American Heritage Month starts the day after September 30th. I told you all I was gonna come back to this. So I'm, I'm rewinding a little bit. For those who don't know, September 30th marks the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation and Orange Shirt Day in Canada. That is a really big deal, a really, really big deal. When I think about us being here and away from our, you know, traditional, um, countries or our homelands, I think that there is a certain amount of respect and honoring that we must participate in. And there are different ways to do that, right? And so when it comes to September 30th, I don't want to make this episode so long, but I'm going to maybe provide a link. And I really hope that these are links that you all will go through even if it's just quickly and you know just pick and choose what you think you're most interested in or you know take 30 minutes read a few of them if it's not necessarily something you're interested in in the moment that's fine that's cool but try to come back to it try to be a little bit open-minded um because there's so much to learn and man It'll, it'll change your perspective. A lot of people say, we you know, we live in a country that's free, got free healthcare, got free this, free that, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, we do, and it's great, but man, we, there's a lot we don't know. There are a few things I would like to share with you all listening today that has to do with celebrating Latinidad. And I want to offer a few perspectives to think about when we think of celebrating and honoring this month. Before I, I give you my, my perspective, I'd like to start off by addressing the terms as they will be used interchangeably within this episode so and or already have been while hispanic and latino um sometimes are used in the same conversation they have different meanings when we say latino or latina or latin american it means someone who is like in general um understood as someone who is born with or has ancestors from latin america which is a geographical region latin american is not a race okay or an ethnicity you can be of different races and still be latino americano or americana whether you live in the country or you live abroad if you have ancestry from that country, you are considered Latin American if that's how you identify. This includes Brazilians, although Brazilians speak Portuguese, right? Now, you may hear folks using terms like Latinx or Latin as opposed to Latina or Latino um, when they share where they are and when they identify from or how they identify, sorry. And <clears throat> if you don't know, it's just a term or terms that are being more inclusive. So when we say Latine, we're, being, we're using it in plural form. Um, and there's there's arguments about these terms. There are people who love it. There are people who don't like it. I personally think that if this is something that sits with you this is something that feels right this is something that you truly understand the meaning of and you respect people who identify as latinx latinx the term itself is meant to be inclusive of the lgbtq and two-spirit communities within latin america and honoring them and respecting them and making the language more inclusive there are people who say latinx oh well that's like academics and white people and shit that's fine that's all great um my understanding was that it was part of the chicano movement i believe back in the 70s is when the term was coined and put together not used but then it became used slowly and it has now reached a bit more of a. there's more of an awareness around it and I feel that whether it was, you know, a white person, a Chicano person, a whoever person who coined that term, Latinx or Latine, in my opinion, it doesn't make a difference. And it doesn't make a difference because Spanish and English are very fucking gendered languages. They create stereotyping. Simp and biases, gender biases. And, and, you know, eventually when colonialism happened, gendered norms within Latino America. And so when I think about that, like I can expand on this topic, I'm trying to be really, really brief because I'm already at half an hour. But when I think about that, me pongo a pensar like, yo, eso no, eso no es nada. Like, our, our, we are, a col- we're fucking colonized. I don't know my indigenous language. I don't know. I, there's so much that I don't know. So uh, whether I speak Spanish or English, I'm not honoring my ancestors by speaking my native tongue. Right? I, I I'm not. I'm speaking the colonizer's language. So. Hey, if it's going to make people feel more inclusive, why can't we just accept that and do that? But anyway, to each their own. So this is where the difference lies. Hispanic is anyone who is a speaker of the Spanish language. Now, Brazilians, although they fall within Latin America, they are not Spanish speaking. So they would not be referred to as Hispanic, in contrast, Spain is not a Latin American country, but their people are considered Hispanic because they do speak Spanish. I don't know if y'all get me entienden, or if you guys get the drift, but if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up. Again, like I said, Latinos can be any race or color same with hispanic you can be any race or color and be a spanish speaker Um, you can be black you can be indígena or indigenous mestiza mestizo white passing you can be mixed blood redhead with blue green eyes let me repeat that again your race and your skin complexion nor your features they do not determine if you are latin american or not This is a topic I will be covering as well. I've touched on like three different episodes here already. (laughs) Um, So this is one of those episodes because there are so many conversations to be had with respect to identities, even lateral violence, colorism, femicidio in our communities and so on, um, which is like all results of colonialism and its impact uh, within our Latin American and Caribbean communities. So when I say Latin American countries, by the way, I don't think I have to say this, but I will anyways. I am including Cuba, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and so on. I'm also including Belize. Belize, again, it's in the geographical region of Latino America, although their first language is not Spanish, right? They speak English over there um, and Mayan and, and, you know, some other languages as well. But anywho, <clears throat> I just wanted to point that out. The reason why I think this is so important to note is because oftentimes certain populations are tended to be othered or sort of pushed to the side. And, um, it's simply because of their race and their features, like the color of their skin and hair textures, you know, Latino America is not a monolith. We are not The Latin American people are not a monolith, meaning we are not all the same. We have differences in each country. And even within those countries, there are different populations of people who have different traditions and practices. But my belief is that we are to honor one another and we can do that by simply respecting each other, you know. So that's what I have to say about that. What else did I want to go into? I wanted to go into. Sorry, guys, I'm just I'm thinking and I'm just trying to. I digress from my notes and, you know, eso pasa. And that's okay. That's okay, man. My mom would say, that's okay, Murel. Keep going, bitch. (laughs) Oh, shit. Anyone who is close to me knows and is probably laughing their ass off right now. Back to the race thing. With people being Latin American, you can be Asian and you can be Latin American, you know, your parents could have moved to Dominican Republic, for example, I've seen like three people who are fucking sick with it, they speak Spanish, they speak that Dominican slang, they dance, merengue, bailan, bachata, do all the things, and they're fucking Asian, bro, like Korean, um, I think one is Chinese, and the other one, I can't remember where she's from, but there's actually an Asian Dominican person living in fucking Toronto, dude. It is crazy. It's it was trippy to hear her speak at first, and I'm aware que hay gente like different races living in Latin America, like in Nicaragua. We have Asian people. We got um, Middle Eastern people. We we like there's there's ugh, an amalgamation. It's beautiful. There's there's so many different freaking races back home that I have come across. Cause it's like, wow, this is so beautiful. We don't see that here, obviously. Right. Um, but yeah, dude, like it's, it's crazy. It's, it's wild to me. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool and I want to share that. So this episode might be releasing a little bit late in the month of October, but that's okay, only because I think it's important to reflect and act on what this month means for us as Latin Americans on an ongoing basis, not just uh, during the month of October. So let's keep that in mind. Uh, I'm the type of person that carries her culture very proudly, and I try my best to honor my family, you know, and my ancestors, in and myself, in a way that... Um, Would make them proud you know i come first though you know what fulfills me as a human being what makes me proud of me and myself for me it can be something as simple as having a conversation with someone and even if for a moment have them explore a new and different perspective or an outlook on a topic in my experience people who have the ability to to have that type of effect on me have left the greatest impact it's eye-opening, it's humbling and to have reminders that we don't know it all um, is, is, is beautiful. You know, there's always room to learn and, and grow. Having lived in the West and the East, I feel I'm very cultured and I was surrounded, I grew up surrounded by a rich and incredibly diverse environment. However, it was not until I was much older that the history of where I live came to mind. I was simply not exposed to learn or wonder about those things. And so it didn't necessarily uh, become a thought until I think I reached university. Um, My other reason why I think it's important to note that September 30th comes first and then Latin American Heritage Month um, is because of the following point. Um, And it's something that I think about often often for the last i don't know how many years and that's my identity i've i've always struggled with this since i was a little girl today as a grown ass woman you know l- uh, unlearning and relearning and evolving still making mistakes and so on i just want to be <coughs> i want to be as mindful mindful i want to be as mindful in my everyday life as possible i try to do my best to do things um i try my best to do things with intention and so with this episode i want to share with you all my perspective like i have been the reason i bring in information and share with you tidbits on you know first nations inuit and metis in canada is because as a settler on this ancestral and traditional land i'm grateful to be given the opportunities that I would not have received otherwise, most likely would not have received otherwise in my home country. I more than likely would not be able to access the free healthcare I currently have. I would not have been bilingual. I would not have been exposed um, and learned from different cultures. I would not have lived in a society where multiculturalism is celebrated and I wouldn't have been surrounded by so much diversity and richness Um, and then this leads me to my next point. I mentioned September 30th and I wanted everyone to make a mental note or listeners to make a mental note on that because it's a very significant month for everyone who lives in Canada. You do not have to be first nations. You do not have to be Métis. You do not need to be Inuit for this day to mean something especially for those who are here as settlers. There is um, the saying that goes, everyone is a treaty person. We are all treaty people. And as guests, as Latinx people who have built lives for ourselves here um, and have had the prosperity in some or many aspects, you know, This is important. It's been a place of safety for our parents, our grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, our cousins who have found refuge in a country other than our own. Meanwhile, the original inhabitants of this land are experiencing third world inequities, left, right and center. And I get emotional because it makes me so angry. It makes me angry Um, I'm feeling, I think, a flood of um, a wave of emotions, different emotions. I'm grateful that I'm here, but at the same time, I feel a sense of guilt a little bit because it's like, how do I get to benefit from all these things this country has to offer? And we live in what's considered a first world country, but there are third world pockets where first nations people live and a lot of northern communities are in as well. And so I'm going to get into some details because I can't talk about honoring my culture and honoring my people and one another without first acknowledging that we are benefiting from living here while other people are struggling to even eat a fucking meal. I didn't think I was going to cry, <laughs> but that's okay. <clears throat> this is who I am, y'all. I told y'all, raw, real, and relatable. I could be a bitch, but I'm a very emotional person. Like when I feel an emotion, it can be it incredibly intense, whether it's happy or feeling sad or feeling angry or <laughs> all three or more at the same time. <laughs> okay i think i need a moment to regroup okay so another question for y'all did you know that indigenous people are more than seven times more likely to commit suicide than non-indigenous folks inuit are which are people who come from the most northern parts of Canada um, and beyond that border as well, are at the top of that list. And this just doesn't make sense to me. Because like I said earlier, we live in a country where newcomers are given all the benefits and support, but you're telling me this country can't do better for the people they promised to take care of this land with get the fuck out of here i i have a big issue with that you're telling me you cannot provide more appropriate equitable and culturally relevant resources and support for first nations inuit and metis but you can promise the world to newcomers give me a fucking break give me a fucking break que eso no tiene sentido para mi i i honestly just don't i i don't get it i don't get it i don't fucking get it i wanted to point that out because i found it very, very interesting. That, um, I found that very interesting because considering that we as Latin Americans, some, if not most of us, because of where we, we, you know, are geographically from, a lot of us have indigenous lineage, whether we realize it or not, you know, it's another whole world to explore, but these are our relatives. And even if they're not, they're human, they're fucking people. These are people who have experienced colonization like we did. And are still going through it today. Our values, our worldviews, at least for me and my the way that I was raised. And a, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them. There's so many similarities, um, you know, and, and how the Catholic Church related to um, our people are not far off. There are many differences, of course, but I related to so much of the teachings I received as a student in university when I first began to explore indigenous uh, worldview as it relates to people living in Canada. And I thought to myself, wow, I have felt a a sense of shame for so I have felt a sense of shame for looking the way I do and being who I am all these years (laughs) And never thought to explore the beauty of who I am at my very core. And so I feel like I owe a great deal to, to this land and its people, its original inhabitants because of that. Because I'm still finding my way, but I started that journey. And that for me growing up was a really big struggle. It was a big struggle because anytime someone said "Oh, una India," e una India," or she's like the term translates directly to Indian, but you know that's considered a derogatory term. So don't go around calling an indigenous person Indian. Um, or it 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 made me feel like oh that's not a good thing because of the way that it was said. You know this brown girl brown skin girl with curly big curly hair and these eyes and these big lips and it just I always felt like a sense of shame and then when I took that first course in university I was like they're so beautiful their culture is so beautiful but hold on a second we kind of look alike (laughs) you know the way that they saw the world and the way that I was raised was so similar to and the history it sounded like i had heard it before and i had heard it before because of stories that my mom would tell me or my grandpa or my dad or conversations that i've had with friends and people that were you know more more adult than i was at the time in my community and i was like this is something mind-blowing for me and so um so yeah so this is part of the reason why i get so fucking emotional (laughs) luch makes fun of me sometimes and he's like why do you get like this and i'm like i don't know motherfucker i just have big feelings fuck (laughs) um and so when colonialism started i won't say what happened because this is not i won't say it happened in the past i won't speak of it like it's something that's not ongoing today it is Uh, not a historical factor only genocide and the aftermath of colonization still have a very strong and negative impact to this day so i will just say when it started because it has not fucking stopped indigenous people were promised all these things that we have um the privilege of having a right to a right to air quotes as canadian citizens now i think about that And it angers me, obviously, because I'm here fucking crying and it makes me emotional because it feels incredibly unfair, unjust and fucking abusive. I can give details, but I don't want to make this longer than it already is. Um, I think I'll save those details for another episode i've already touched on like five already (laughs) in this moment um that we've been together so far but for example how again is canada considered a first world country with so many pockets throughout the fucking nation that have third world conditions there are indigenous communities that have no running water bro we in the city experienced that for a bit and it was like i don't know like a day or something and people were fucking going nuts over that shit (laughs) You will never see that be a thing for not even a week here in the city of fucking Toronto. You won't. Some communities have running water, but these their boil advisories in effect, meaning they cannot even boil that water to use it because it'll actually expose them to more harmful chemicals if they do. Can't brush their teeth with this water. Communities with fucking a mold crisis to bring in water actually let me just before i get into that mold crisis and like those issues that come from that shit you gotta pay for gallons at a time and when i think about that i'm like yo what the fuck but they live in uh, a community that they're surrounded by water and it's like no hold up there is a a, there are communities that are yeah surrounded by water but guess what nestle so stop fucking buying bottles of nestle or anything fucking nestle because fuck them Nestle made an agreement with the government to own or to buy that water from them so they can use it to put it in in their packaged bottles. And it's like no community can't drink that water. It's the fucking water that has surrounded their reserve and 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 their land for how many years and they can't use that water because Nestle is buying it from the government of Canada. So do you guys see what the fuck I'm getting at? I gotta take a deep breath, man, because this shit pisses me off. It just doesn't make any fucking sense to me. So now with the mold crisis, oh, and hold up, to bring water in from out of town, out of out of the reserve, it's it's expensive as fuck. Like it's expensive. It costs money to bring in hasta un galon de agua. I swear, I've seen it like fifty fucking dollars. Like, are you kidding me, bro? Are you fucking kidding me? Okay. Mold. Um, mold causes respiratory issues for those living with it. Here in the city, I tell my landlord, hey, yo, I, I see something going on here. Come check this out. Get people to come and check this out. It needs to be a right away thing in any home. People get ticketed for that. So there are communities that have an ongoing mold crisis. And I'm not talking about things that are temporary. I'm not talking about one, two, three years. This is many years, like 10, 20 plus years. This is the situation indigenous people find themselves in when they do not live in the city. And when they live in the city, there's a whole other fucking array of other concerns and challenges that they experience. A lot of them. Not everybody, not everybody, but a lot of folks do. The food cost is re fucking on reserve, um, especially in Northern communities. I'm talking about $33 for a fucking jug of orange juice and a bag of milk, sometimes even more. If you don't believe me, Google it because I swear to God, it's fucking real. And there are subsidized programs in Northern communities where like the Inuit population, um, for example, is higher there. And even then with these subsidies to help decrease the cost of food, that jug of orange juice will still cost 30 plus dollars. So that amount is already with the subsidized program applied to this shit. I saw a documentary on YouTube and parents were talking about how they don't eat sometimes for days at a time so that their kid can eat at least a fucking solid meal a day. <laughs> oh, this makes me so mad. Again, I'm happy to live here. I can't say I'm truly proud because I know these injustices are still happening and they exist today. I know that sure, yeah, residential schools shut down as of 1996 or 97 officially. But that wasn't too long ago. The fact that it happened, calm the fuck on. The fact that there are children's bodies still being discovered. These unmarked graves are still being uncovered. And it took how many years for community members to have the right, are you kidding me, to even explore if there were unmarked graves and children buried on these fucking residential or fucking internment camps? You guys gotta be aware of this shit, I think, because yeah, we're proud to be Latino living in Canada and whatnot. But do you know these things? Do you share this information? Do you share this with your friends and your family? Do you talk about this with your family? This is why, a big reason why I am doing this because I don't hear nobody talking about it from our communities. I don't hear nobody talking about it. And man, they're hard conversations to have. For me, they're hard because it makes me angry and it it I, I'm hurting over it. <laughs> like i'm hurting over it clearly so imagine if you feel this way how first nations and you and metis people feel think about that think about that shit anyways that wasn't long ago when um these concentration camps or residential schools closed down today you know sure People want to say that it's in the past. People want to, you know, shut it down. Like, eso no está pasando anymore. It's not happening anymore. But did you know that there are more indigenous children in the fucking foster care system than there ever were in residential schools? Do you all know about the 60s scoop? Do you all know about the sterilization of indigenous women in order for them to see their babies at one point? These motherfucking doctors in these fucking hospitals that we praise so much for being innovative and world leading, they would make indigenous women sign or even without their knowledge, sterilize them so that they couldn't have any more kids. And if you didn't consent to it, you were not allowed to see your child. Do you man, I tanta information I can talk about this for hours. I can talk about this for fucking hours. But I'm going to leave some of you all, those who are interested with just what I've shared, for you to do the work and do the research because that's part of it. That is a big part of it. You got to learn for yourself. And that's just, you're grateful to live here. That's great that's fantastic you're grateful for the opportunities your parents had for the business they were able to establish amazing for the business that now you were able to benefit from and and you know build off of for yourself and your kids and whatnot fantastic yes let's do that but let's also be aware and let's also educate one another and learn from one another because that's important too and so Genocide is still taking place, right? Children are still being taken away from their families and communities. And I find it hard to be proud of this nation. I am I'm grateful to live on this land. And in return, I think it's my way to bring, my way to show that is to, and to honor indigenous folks here who welcomed people initially that exploited them and raped them and murdered them and did whatever they did to them. It's my way of honoring them, not the Canadian government. I'm not, I'm, it's not them. It's the land. It's, it's this space that I can thrive on that I am honoring. And which is why I tie in these issues and bring in this awareness that I think is important. The government just continues to perpetuate colonialism in different ways. Um, and I can't stay silent. I, you know, I delayed this episode because it makes my blood pressure go up to talk about these things. And I'm obviously incredibly sensitive and angered by this. I just, I can't even begin to imagine how indigenous folks feel seeing this is still happening and and are experiencing it for themselves within their communities and their families and feeling the effects of it firsthand. And then I think about, okay, you know, can you be both? I think I can be both. I think I can, I can be grateful. I think I can raise my kids here. You know, they're safe here. They have opportunities that others don't have. Um, they have rights and freedoms to be whoever they want to be. But there's a huge but for me. And so in turn, I, I feel I can do my part by sharing with you, the listeners of this show and my fellow Latin American community, these pieces of information to spread awareness around it, to share it on social media, whenever you come across, you know, posts, um that that speak about issues and social injustices that are happening across the americas when it comes to indigenous people because that's how we can honor our identity and honor those who lived in canada so-called canada for thousands of years before colonialism happened and before it sorry before it started and did what it did to try to extinguish them um it happened in latin america too obviously it started with fucking christopher columbus fuck that guy by the way when he came into contact with indigenous people who lived on the island of what is now known today as dominican republic that's obviously shared with haiti i'm using the term contact very loosely here because some of us may not know the true history christopher columbus was often seen as the one who discovered the americas which is total fucking bullshit there's even a fucking columbus day which oh, I won't even get started on that but for those of you who don't know his bitch ass was lost at sea and he was found by the taino and arawak peoples you know (laughs) like hello he was found by them they helped this motherfucker and then that's when the start of genocide of indigenous people happened and so these things are the things i want to share with you guys i talk about it with friends and families at gatherings um like you know i think a good amount of people who, or those who have are around me or been around me have some sort of knowledge or awareness of this um because i'm the type of person you know um i'm, I'm all for getting into these conversations so if we ever have that opportunity and, and you and i don't know each other that well don't be shy i won't bite and if i get like passionate it's just that. it's just that it's just my my uh maybe a little bit of anger, maybe a little bit of like, oh, uh, maybe a little bit, but it's not towards anybody. It's just like, I can't fucking believe the reality still sometimes, you know. Um something else I would like to share with you all is uh when you're coming into contact or when you're coming across somebody who identifies as indigenous. Always ask them how they would like to be addressed. I learned this a while back, and I believe it to be the most respectful and kindest approach. Simply ask them, like people who have certain pronouns, right? They'd like to use, or even for us, like cuando alguien te pregunta, hey, where are you from? Um, oh, I'm, you know, Chilean. Oh, I'm Dominican. Oh, I'm this. It's it's kind of like that. Like people will tell you, hey, yeah, this is who I am. Refer to me as this. Basically, is what they're telling you with that um and similarly when you approach somebody and you're not sure how they identify um you can ask like hey so how may i refer to you as she them they they'll tell you he they'll they'll let you know and i don't think there's anything wrong with that indigenous people you know at one point were referred to as aboriginal which for me is bothersome i don't like the term when the word and this is just my own perspective i'm not saying this is right i'm not saying this is wrong but you know when you think about the term or the word aboriginal you're thinking of the prefix ab which means un in latin and together with original we get the word unoriginal when in fact indigenous peoples are the original caretakers of this land whose ancestors and people have lived in the Americas for thousands of years before contact happened. Now, that's not to say that everyone takes issue with being referred to as aboriginal, but I know many who do. And some prefer the term indigenous, some prefer Native American, native. Some will tell you to refer to them by their nation, like, you know, Oneida, Cayuga, Ojibwe, or Anishinaabe. Anishinaabe is the actual um, name for Ojibwe in the Anishinaabe moen language just so you all know um and so on and it shows respect and it shows humility we can't know it all we are all learning even me every single fucking day so you know feel free to correct me <laughs> when i say something can noise and so i wanted to also share with you all for anyone who's interested this that this year The Dia de los Muertos collective, if you are aware of them, and if you're not, you know, open up them ears because you're about to learn something new. Um, There is a collective. It's called Dia de los Muertos Tio and um, or Day of the Dead collective so they're gonna be hosting a series of events which will happen in person it's been obviously a very trying time for people to get out and be together in community obviously with you know fucking covid but things are looking on the up um i'm gonna share a snippet from their page that i thought would be great to read to you all so that you can have a, a great understanding a better understanding um directly from them So it says the celebrations 2022 thematic focus will highlight global indigenous struggles, their interconnectedness, resurgence in spite of them and solidarity with the battles for justice and equity. The collective is particularly thrilled this year to expand its artistic, ceremonial and educational offerings in partnership with Heart House and First Nations House at U of T. My dogs. My dogs. (coughs) okay that was not part of, <laughs> that was not part of the the snippet but whatever in an effort to contribute to and advance the important work of truth reconciliation and renaissance on turtle island and beyond i had not read this statement until right now i just saw that there was a bit of a statement to that highlighted what they were up to this year and so i was like let me just write this down for my guiding notes um The activities that will be planned or have been planned are going to be held at five different locations throughout the city of Toronto, and they're going to be taking place between the 13th and the 6th of sorry the 13th of October and the 6th of November. There's going to be a market dedicated to food and crafts with vendors. Hart House um, is a location where they have done some activities. Um, that's at U of T. Uh, Peter McKendrick Community Center, Artscape, Winchwood Barnes, First Nations House at U of T, which was like my uh, one of my favorite places to be in. Same with heart House when I was in school, and Casa Maíz Cultural. Oh, what? I'm reading it in like Spanglish. Casa Maíz Cultural Center or Centro Cultural. And so, um, this year's festivities, like I mentioned earlier, I brought up U of T. Um, They're doing it in partnership with Casa Maiz and First Nations House. And I'm going to include the link of an itinerary of events on the show notes. If you're listening on Spotify, you can access it there. And so before we end this episode, I would like to ask you all, what does it mean for you to be a Latin American person, whether you are first, second or any generation living in Canada? or living in wherever you're listening from? How do you honor that, especially during this month-long celebration and in your everyday life? Think about it. Let me know. Share with me. Let's get a conversation going. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you'd like to share. That's it for me for today, and I guess I'll see y'all on the next episode. Oh, thank you.